Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Monday, November 29th, where San Diego police use force. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Gas prices are unchanged today. That's after a 19-day streak of gas price increases. Gas has gone up a total of 12.5 cents, with the average price of a gallon of gas now at $4.67. That's the highest price since October of 2012. One of California's leading export companies says the supply chain crisis could drag on for another year. Steve Schulte is vice president of the global supply chain for Sacramento-based Blue Diamond Growers. They're the largest supplier of almonds in the world. I think what uh, we are uh, projecting as a recovery is through 2023. We see the congestion continuing with ships, uh, with labor, and trucking in the United States to offload and and quite frankly, labor in warehouses and and retailers to stock shelves. The National Women's Soccer League just added two new teams, and one of them is San Diego Wave FC. So San Diego will have a new home team to root for when the Waves begin their first season in March. Jill Ellis is the former head coach of the U.S. Women's National Team and the team president of San Diego Wave FC. She told KPBS Midday Edition about how the team is building a platform for success. You know, what does that look like? It means providing all the resources for our coach. It means, you know, a training facility that's state of the art. It's it's uh, it's personnel that can support the players. It's it's creating this infrastructure. It's creating environment for our fans to want and kind of be a part of. From KBBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Taking a look at where police shootings have occurred in the city of San Diego reveals a vast disparity. Far more shootings happened south of Interstate 8 in communities where Black and Latino people live. KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregesser gives us a closer look. And a warning, this story contains graphic descriptions. In February 2014, San Diego Police Department officer Christelle Miranda was serving a search warrant at Henry Louis Gonzalez's home. She saw him pull out what she thought was a shiny object in his waistband, so she shot him three times. It turned out to be rings on his fingers. In May 2016, Tongsun Sun was driving away from a house police said was used by the Oriental Killer Boys gang. San Diego police officers chased him in their squad car and then shot and killed him. 
That same month, members of the department's gang unit were doing surveillance at a known gang house on Skyline Drive and ended up in a shootout with the suspects. This time, no one was killed. These were among seven police shootings over six years that happened in the 92114 zip code in Encanto. The cluster of cases in Encanto fits into a larger citywide trend. That's according to a KPBS analysis of almost 150 San Diego Police Department cases in which officers used force that led to significant injuries or death. Almost 70% of the use of force incidents occurred south of Interstate 8, and almost a quarter were in southeast San Diego. In addition to Encanto, the zip codes with the greatest number of shootings were Logan Heights, Downtown, and City Heights. Anybody who lives in those communities knows that, know that the police tend to react differently than they do um, in communities that are north of the 8 or into communities that have less black and brown residents and communities that actually um, are, are wealthier. Khaled Alexander, with Pillars of the Community, isn't surprised by the numbers. If they were to treat people in La Jolla or if they were to treat people in Claremont or Coronado the same way, there would be immediate repercussions to their actions. Police shootings almost never happen in San Diego County's mostly white and wealthy enclaves. Consider that in a 15-year period, the combined total in La Jolla, Poway, and Rancho Santa Fe was just three. That's fewer than half as many as there were in Encanto alone, according to the KPBS analysis. Officials from the San Diego Police Department declined an interview request for this story. In the past, Chief David Nislight has said there are more arrests in communities of color, but that doesn't mean it's discrimination. Disparities are going to exist because everything in society doesn't happen along the demographic line. And until that happens, you're going to have disparities. But Alexander says higher crime statistics in these zip codes don't justify more use of force. The idea that there's more crime in Southeast San Diego than there is in La Jolla or other communities is, is, is a myth. What you have in, in, in Southeast San Diego and, and those communities are a larger police presence looking for crime. The fear factor among police officers must also be taken into account. So says Ann Rios, a defense attorney. How do police view people in these areas? Do they view them as dangerous? Do they already pre-label them as gang members, as violent? Are they scared? In Encanto, five of the seven people shot by police were described as gang members or associated with gangs before they were shot, according to the police department records. In the past two years, San Diego County District Attorney Summer Steffen rolled out a de-escalation training program that includes implicit bias training. She says it's vital. That is also dangerous because you're now not checking to make sure do they have a weapon? What is their, you know, what's their access? What are they doing? And then um, bias against a group is also coloring your ability to make intelligent decisions. But for activists like Rios, there has already been more damage to San Diego's south of eight communities than one de-escalation training program can fix. This is a public health crisis that is happening to people and in areas that I love and live in. 
And I think that that is incredibly scary. Folks are scared of the police. They are scared of living in their own neighborhoods. That was reporting from KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregesser. You can search the records and a map of where incidents occurred at kpbs.org slash police records. An important COVID-19 vaccination deadline has arrived for eligible students in the San Diego Unified School District. Students 16 years and up must have their first dose by today in order to meet a district mandate. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez explains. The San Diego Unified Mandate requires all eligible students 16 years and up to be fully vaccinated by the winter break in December. That means students taking the two-dose shots must have the first one by today. School Board President Richard Barrera. The second shot, we are uh, set a date of December 20th. And if you uh, get your first and second shots under those timelines, you know, you will be fully vaccinated by the start of the spring semester and able to attend school in person. Those students who miss the deadlines will be forced to attend classes online through the district's virtual academy. And that was KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez. State housing officials are looking for ideas on how to redevelop two blocks of blighted property in downtown San Diego. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says the goal is to build affordable housing. The state-owned lots just outside Little Italy currently house an aging office building, two dilapidated vacant buildings, and parking lots. Earlier this month, the state put out a call to developers interested in building affordable housing and other amenities on the sites. Stephen Russell, head of the nonprofit San Diego Housing Federation, says the large size of the lots makes for endless possibilities that could include childcare or a new park. What they've done is created a laboratory for experimentation. The, the, the sector, the affordable housing sector here in town is the most creative set of developers there are because of the, the, the challenges we constantly face. The state hopes to select a development team by next May. And that was KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen. In February, the Biden administration began winding down former President Donald Trump's controversial Remain in Mexico program. It sent people seeking asylum in this country back to Mexico to wait for months for their day in immigration court in the U.S. But over the summer, a Texas judge ordered government officials to restart the program. Now the Biden administration is preparing to roll it back out in the coming weeks. Reporter Max Rivlin-Nadler tells us that on the San Diego Tijuana stretch of the border, migrants and their advocates are split about what to do. Chantal is a 23-year-old transgender woman. She has been living in a crowded migrant encampment in Tijuana for a month. Sitting on a wall near her tent, she tells me she fled Honduras two years ago after she was kicked out of her home by her father and later beaten on the streets because of her gender identity. She has family in the United States but that's not why she's trying to get there. She says they're very religious and won't accept her. In Mexico, she says she was briefly abducted by a gang and has been beaten up on the streets of Tijuana. She says it's just as dangerous to be waiting in Mexico as it was living in Honduras. She's been trying to enter the United States for months to claim asylum. 
and each time she's been turned back because of a U.S. policy known as Title 42 that blocks almost all people from crossing the border during the pandemic. But Chantal is still trying to find a safe way to seek refuge in the U.S. What she might get is the resumption of one of the most dangerous policies of the Trump administration. For over a year before the pandemic, more than 60,000 migrants were placed in Remain in Mexico, officially known as the Migrant Protection Protocols. But the group Human Rights First counted more than 1,500 reports of rape, murder, and other violence against asylum seekers in the program. People are living in conditions that are best described like a prolonged episode of The Hunger Games while trying to fight their case. That's Nicole Ramos. She's a lawyer with Al Otro Lado, one of the few groups that provides legal services to migrants in Tijuana. Waiting in Mexico border cities is not only dangerous, she says, but it makes it almost impossible to find a U.S. lawyer. And less than 1% of migrants actually won their asylum case while enrolled in Remain in Mexico. The Biden administration asked Ramos's organization, along with others, to help humanely re-implement Remain in Mexico. They refused. We are not going to touch that program. We feel like our resources are better used conducting human rights monitoring and interviews and looking at ways to destroy the program. While the Biden administration agrees it should end, the court order to reinstate it has officials negotiating with the Mexican government to resume the program in the next few weeks. And lawyers in San Diego say they've been told that immigration judges and courtrooms are already prepared. Kate Clark, a lawyer with Jewish Family Service in San Diego, says this leaves legal service providers in a difficult spot. You can't make an inhumane program humane. That's the hard line for us. But once migrants are placed and remain in Mexico, she says there are a few ways lawyers can try to get them out of the program and into the U.S. to continue their asylum case. Whether in the future we're involved with submitting pro requests, that's sort of um, for us to consider. At the Casa del Migrante shelter on a hill beside the Tijuana River, Kathy Kruger assists migrants each day. If people are placed in Remain in Mexico, she will provide them with legal assistance because she knows their options are limited. If they still want to do it, you just have to try to facilitate them for a smooth way of doing it. Everything that they went through made them take that decision. At the migrant encampment just feet away from the border wall, Chantal and others feel that time is running out. There are plans to close the camp in the coming weeks. Chantal says she needs to take a step, any step, to begin her asylum claim. If there is a chance at asylum in the U.S., even a slim one, she has to take it. She shows me a photo on her phone of how she feels most comfortable. Wearing makeup, a long dress, a completely different look. But here, she's in a sweatshirt and jeans, trying to keep a low profile. She knows entering the Remain in Mexico program won't get her out of Tijuana immediately. But it may be the only concrete step she has right now. And that was Max Rivlin-Nadler reporting for the California Report in Tijuana. 
Coming up, the new San Diego County Registrar of Voters was confirmed recently and not a moment too soon. They'll be overseeing a major transition in how San Diegans vote. That's next, just after the break. Hello, podcast listener. Full disclosure, I'm going to make some assumptions about you. This probably isn't the only podcast you enjoy. Blink if I'm right. (laughs) It's probably not the only thing you watch or listen to on KPBS either. If I'm right about that, then I'm guessing you make it a point to check in on a regular basis to see what's new, take in the latest and greatest, and then you go back to your daily life until we happily come together again. We're sort of like a virtual buffet. When you're hungry for information and entertainment, you go to KPBS and want to eat, uh, consume all you can, right? Well, you should know that when you become a member of KPBS, you're keeping the entire TV, radio, and online trays full of fresh ideas, like the tasty podcast you're enjoying right now. Help feed your appetite for KPBS. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. Thank you. After serving as interim registrar for months, Cynthia Paz has been named San Diego County's new registrar of voters. She replaces longtime registrar Michael Vu, who is now serving as the county's assistant chief administrative officer. Paz takes on the top elections job as the county launches a new system of vote centers to replace neighborhood polling places, giving people more options on how and when they want to cast their ballots. And her term begins as a election results are challenged like never before. Cynthia Paz recently spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh. Here's that interview. Now, I know you've been working on county elections in the registrar's office for several years. How do you think that prepared you to become registrar? So fortunately, um, I'm stepping into a role within a county that has administered successful, open, fair, elections for a long time. So I'm coming from a history of successful elections to continue in that same vein. What's exciting moving forward is the implementation of the Voters' Choice Act and the vote center model. So it's providing um, more options for voters to cast their ballot and more services at vote centers over multiple days. Can you remind us about the range of responsibilities you have as Registrar of Voters? We're responsible here at the Registrar of Voters for administering all um, statewide and local elections for San Diego County. We also maintain the voter registration files and, and file maintenance, as well as the petitions process. So that's all under your purview, so to speak. The county has recently approved some major changes in the way in-person polling will be done. About 200 vote centers will replace neighborhood polling places, as I mentioned earlier. How is that new idea coming along? So fortunately, um, this has been introduced to San Diego County voters. In the November presidential general election in 2020, as well as the recent recall election in 2021, 
because of the global pandemic, we administered both elections under a, a vote center type model. So for both of those elections, we had 200 plus large voting locations open for multiple days. And we mailed every active registered voter in San Diego County a ballot. So it, it has been introduced to our voters, and we are joining over 60% of the state of California who has already moved to the vote center model. And have the permanent vote center sites been chosen? We're in that process right now. So we are looking at the locations that we used in both the presidential general and the recall election. And we're also starting um, a very robust public consultation period where we seek suggestions and, and comments from the public related to citing these fully accessible vote centers as well as mail ballot drop box locations. And because this uh, idea is relatively new to all San Diegans, can you explain how those centers will be different from the usual polling places? In the neighborhood polling place model, so in the March presidential primary in 2020, we operated that election under the traditional neighborhood polling place model. This is where a voter is assigned to a location and they must go to their assigned poll location. If they go to a different location, then they would need to vote provisionally um, because most likely that location would not have their correct ballot type. In the November presidential general, we had over 4,000 variations of the ballot. And in that vote center type model, we were able to provide all of those variations of the ballot at each vote center across the county. So a voter can go to any vote center and cast their ballot. It will also be open for multiple days. So in those past two elections, voting locations were open for four days. Going into the vote center model, we will have some locations open for 11 days and all of the locations, 200 plus locations, will again be open for the four days. In addition, every active registered voter will receive a ballot in the mail. They can return that ballot by mail, or they could drop it off at any vote center or one of 130 plus mail ballot drop box locations across the county that are open for nearly a month. And how do you intend to counter some of the doubts surrounding election results? My goal is to have a, a more robust website and media presence, more social media, as well as pushing out accurate information for all voters to access on our website. I, I think that if we increase the messaging, provide awareness to voters on how elections are conducted, and the fair, accurate way elections officials conduct elections. So that is my goal. It's just to push out and make accurate information more available for voters to, to read and share. And Cynthia, what's intriguing about this registrar's job for you? When I came to elections, it, it was just the, the concept of providing the forum for individuals to cast their ballot. Um, just the idea of that direct 
contact with, with the public and providing that forum for democracy to take place uh, is what intrigued me to come over to the registrar's office. I mean, every election I, I communicate with, with hundreds of public observers that, that come and observe every aspect of the elections process that are um, true warriors in elections transparency and being able to share with them in person what we do, it, it fills me with such pride. That's what I truly enjoy, the participation, uh, the forum that we provide. That was Cynthia Paz, the San Diego County Registrar of Voters, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day.